Hi, and welcome to another podcast from The Human Diver, where we are looking to apply counter-errorism techniques in diving. By that, we mean human factors and non-technical skills. Our goal is to give you the knowledge and skills so that your dives are safer and more enjoyable. The podcast is a mixture of short podcasts based on the blogs we have and longer podcasts, which will be interviews or discussion topics. Show notes will be provided so you can dig deeper if you want. Ready to jump in? This is the first in a 10-part series of blogs that brings the basics about human factors in diving to the fore. They won't be long, they won't have lots of jargon in them, and they will have a case study or series of examples to bring the theory to life. The reason for this series is that I listen to the feedback I get. Things like, while the information you post is useful, it can come across as well above the level of the average diver. As such, the message isn't getting across. As we'll see in the communication blog, if Gareth is communicating to John, or lots of Johns, and John doesn't understand, then the responsibility for changing the message so that John can understand the message belongs to Gareth. However, John does need to say they didn't understand. That has happened because I have had this feedback. The first blog will be about human factors, what they are, what they aren't, and why you should care. Human factors is the science which looks at the interactions between humans individually and as a team member, their equipment, the environment they are in, and processes, procedures. More simply, human factors is about making it easier to do the right thing and harder to do the wrong thing. That thing might be one of the numerous activities or pieces of equipment or manuals processes we interact with when we go diving. How you give a dive brief so the team or students understand the task ahead and you can check their understanding to ensure your message has been understood. This is communications. Leadership and followership and teamwork. How you design a pre-dive checklist so that it flows well and how you create a supportive social environment so that when it is read out, those who are subject to the checklist provide the correct responses and everyone involved doesn't just pay lip service to the checks. This relates to user interface, decision making, teamwork and communications. How you make decisions when you are dealing with unknowns and assumptions so that you are more likely to make a correct decision. This is decision making and situation awareness. How to remember critical items of equipment or a process that needs to be followed. This is decision making and situation awareness. How you lead a dive team on a project or an expedition or a team of students on a dive class so that the team do what is needed of them because they want to, not because they have to. This is leadership, followership, communication and psychological safety. How you interact with your dive computer or rebreather controller so your selections are easy and intuitive and you don't get frustrated when it does something you weren't expecting. How often have you said, what's it doing now? This is decision-making and situation awareness. How to examine a diving incident or near miss with a view to learning from it, rather than focusing on individual human error and apportioning blame. This is just culture, non-technical skills and psychological safety. One of the biggest problems with human factors is that it is general in nature and specific in application. What this means is that, in general, people behave in a predictable way given the conditions in which they find themselves. Ironically, this predictable behavior might appear to be irrational and wrong, in inverted commas. It made sense to them at the time, but doesn't necessarily make sense afterwards because it was obvious that it would end up going wrong. It is only obvious and certain after the event. This general nature means that human factors is often dismissed as common sense or just something that humans do. And yet when we dig into the specifics of the event, like how miscommunication developed such that 
a diver got separated on a reef dive or why a diver entered a wreck without training and subsequently drowned or why an instructor taught a Caesar which then breached standards, we can see that there were specific things to be aware of. Therefore, to really understand and apply human factors concepts, we have to look at each individual case to Sarsen's situation with a fresh set of eyes so that we can understand the context. This takes a level of commitment that many aren't willing to apply. Ironically, this specific lack of commitment is a recognized general behavior. We don't like change, especially if nothing has gone wrong in the past. So we have to understand the specific issues why learning isn't happening. Human factors is also not crew resource management or non-technical skills. These terms will be explained in more detail in the next blog in a fortnight's time, but they are a subset of human factors. In summary, human factors is about making it easier to do the right thing and harder to do the wrong thing. This could be about decision-making, situation awareness, communication, leadership, teamwork, equipment design, checklist design, class dynamics, debriefing, or incident investigation. To be effective, it has to be applied to the specific activity or situation rather than be dismissed as common sense, or that's obvious. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more about what was discussed in this episode, head over to the Human Diver website at thehumandiver.com, where you will find details about our education programs, the If Only documentary, the book Under Pressure, and the many, many blogs we have published there. If you think others should listen and learn, consider sharing the link. Thank you.